This episode is brought to you by Laura Lee Smith. She is a real estate agent in the Bryan College Station, Texas and surrounding areas. And if you are curious what the housing market is doing at this crazy time that we are in, give her a call or text her. She will gladly answer your questions and you will not regret choosing Laura Lee as your realtor. Her number is 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. Okay. My guest today on the podcast is Brent Toddy. He is a man of many talents, a very hardworking dude, and what a great conversation. If you are looking to get into a business on your own, like entrepreneurial things or even a, a passion or a hobby, whatever it is, he has some great advice and great tips if you just listen to his story. But he started this new thing called Volve, and we get a lot into that in his new YouTube show, and I'm going to let him explain more about it, but I really enjoyed this conversation, so please enjoy Brent Toddy. All right, there we go. All right, perfect. perfect. All right, Thanks for being on, man. This is pretty cool. Um, I've actually been following your stuff for a while. You are a busy, busy human with a bunch of different <laughs> things, it seems like. You know what? It, it's been like that for a very, very long time, and I've been making a concerted effort to try to, to you know, continue to whittle that down to things that I'm an expert at. Um, for a really, really long time, I kind of hung my hat on being a jack of all trades, but you know, I was a C minus student and all of those things. So I was trying to uh, do way too many things all at once, and ultimately, I've landed in a place where I think that I gained a lot of context um, and a lot of lessons learned from things that I have done over the last few years. And kind of found a sweet spot, which has been a kind of a nice thing to have over the last about I'd call it a year. Yeah. And so you've been over a year. This is how you put all this together. How long have you been doing stuff like as an entrepreneur on your own? Uh, it's been about eight years. Um, so I had a, a pretty solid nine to five job right out of school. I graduated when I was 20 uh, down in San Diego. And I went into medical finance and, you know, at the time, like I was just, it was during another recession. So it was like, I was going to take anything that I could possibly get. So my dad was like pushing on me. I actually had like moved out of my other spot. I didn't, I wasn't making any money. I was living at my girlfriend's house and I was on probably, I probably had two more weeks left before I was going to have to move home. And for me, like that was like an absolute no go. Like I would have done anything to not move home at that point. And so I found, ultimately I found this like, this little kind of like meetup get together. Um, there was like a few entrepreneurs that were there. There was like a launch for what kind of became like a, a mobile elliptical machine. So it's like the elliptical machines that you see in the gym, but they had them on wheels. And so there were like this, this fleet of like mobile ellipticals that were just everywhere. And I like showed up and I was like, huh, like this isn't going to turn into anything. And I just happened to be standing by the back of my truck at the time. And I had a, a UCSD sticker on it and a guy walked by and he was like, Oh, UCSD. Like, that's cool. I didn't go to college. And I was like, Oh, well I just graduated. And he's like, that's cool. You looking for a job? I was like, kind of. Yeah. And uh, so he explained to me what he did and I was, and he asked me like what I did. And I was an econ major in school and he was like, well, you're not going to use any of that here, but if you're smart enough to figure it out, you can have a job here. And uh, so I did that. Uh, I had about two months to learn how to do database and analytical work. And I had no background in that whatsoever. But, uh, you know, I, I learned through fire. And I think that that's like, that was one of my first major lessons learned is, you know, you really have so much potential in yourself to be able to actually learn something new. Um, you just have to have 
the bandwidth and the focus to be able to dedicate yourself to, to really picking something new up. And at the time, you know, I really didn't have anything else going on besides being 20. Like I actually couldn't even go to bars yet. So I, it's not like I had anything to do. So I was like, all right, you know what? Like, I'm just going to dedicate myself to this and I'm going to learn it. And uh, so I did. And I worked down there for about four years or so. So it was right around 24 or so. And I'm, uh, and I'm 31 now. So it's been just over seven years. Man, that's, uh, and I happen to agree with, and I've heard some of your stuff, like I've listened to it where you say like, I'm not a chef. I never went to school, but that kind of applies with, um, that philosophy of learning by fire, like oh, just diving, diving in and doing it is the best way to actually learn the process of making the food or the analytical thing that you were doing, you know, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, and the, the, what's really interesting right now is, you know, the, the pressures that social media put on us, it's like, it's kind of this like two sides of a coin. Social media is an incredible teacher. You can find anything in the world that you could possibly want to learn, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Like there is a community, there is a YouTube series, there is something out there for you if you want to teach it. However, the flip side of it is that we also get so in our own heads about, oh, wow, all these people's stuff is so polished. Like I could never be that. And it actually is preventative from people going and learning the things that they're actually capable of doing. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird, this like era of, of social media that we're in right now, where you've got this unlimited access, but you also have this like major, major imposter syndrome going on because like, I know, like, especially when I started cooking, my pictures of food look terrible. It literally looked like I took like a hamburger patty, threw it on a plate and then like dropped some romaine on it. And I was like, okay, done meal. And then over time you start to learn stuff about like lighting and like how to actually make things like look good. And you know, beyond just like being comfortable in the kitchen, it also became like, am I comfortable with sharing this journey with other people? And I think vulnerability just kind of like in the last maybe year or two has, has become somewhat in vogue before it wasn't really anything that anyone talked about, especially not dudes. I talk, I'm about it all the time because I always, I struggle trying to find out a way how to have meaningful conversation. Like, I don't necessarily care for small talk. I don't think it's worth anything. You can kind of throw it away, right? Like, it's just, you, you say those phrases that you automatically say to people, and you'll still do it from time to time, like the grocery store or whatever I do. You know, people, but that's one thing I love about this podcast and throwing things out there is that I actually learn how to have meaningful conversation and get like, like connect with people. And that's by being vulnerable myself to, you know, out to everybody else. And then there, it makes everybody feel comfortable to be vulnerable back with you. Oh, absolutely. It's, and that's the thing too, is like people have these like preconceived notions of like who you are or what like you're going to be like. And if you just completely drop the guard at the beginning, it's like, it almost like shocks them a little bit too. And they're like, Oh, okay. This is how this is going to go. All right. I'm, I, I guess like I'm going to come at this a very different way. And I think that it, it always comes off a little bit more, genuine a little bit more authentic and it's important to be able to to share that human experience especially right now like you know I've always been a huge video call guy I hate the phone if I have an opportunity to like run a meeting and that meeting is going to be on either video or audio I'm always going to choose video just because I like seeing people's faces when I'm doing it so right now like you know people are losing so much connection just because of the pandemic and like what's going on with COVID and like you know, they're, they're able to see a very small amount of people. I think that there's a lot of merit and a lot of value that comes into just communicating with people, being a normal human being, and just like letting your guard down and being like, yeah, like, 
COVID kind of sucks right now. Like it's really tough. Like I'm not able to do the things that used to make me happy. I'm struggling to find new things to really like make me feel engaged. Like I want to learn something new or I want to experience something new. And, and oftentimes what really ends up, you know, leading the charge for, for you being able to achieve something like that is understanding how someone else might've gone about doing it because you know, the human experience is a human experience. It's, it's varied slightly by individual, but ultimately it kind of grinds down to the same thing. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. 100%. And and now is the time, like, for what you do, you kind of, like, prepared yourself for situations like this with the, the video, like, always want to do something face. Like, so you're a personal, I don't know, are you a personal trainer? Did you do the personal training thing before? I did. So that's kind of where I started. Um, I started off, like, right after I, I moved on from my job down in San Diego, uh, I moved up to LA. I had already been training people in San Diego just because like I had been into fitness and fitness and nutrition for, I don't know, since I was like 13 or 14. So I was always kind of like very interested in food, moderately interested in exercise, but like always played sports. And then once I got into college, my like, I really started to drive at home in the gym. And that was like my like thing is I would like go to the gym. And then the food was like, the food kind of took a backseat because I was in college. So it was like mostly like Coors Light and like canned chicken. So like, I, it's like, I didn't have a whole lot of cash while I was in school. So like, I just kept it super basic. And, um, but that's really where I got excited about training and excited about supplementation and different types of like, uh, you know, research modalities of like, what, what's going to work together in the best way to get me at the time. It was like to get the biggest that I could possibly be. And I got up to like 215 or so, which is like an absurd number for someone my size. Like my natural weight's like 180, 185. So I look like the I look like the Michelin man, but it was all upper body weight. I I never squatted a day in my life. It was it was not a I was not an educated trainer at that point by any means. But once I once I moved on from my job down in San Diego, I was a trainer, um, and that's kind of how I kept the lights on. I was uh, I managed a Nike training facility uh, down in Venice, up at, like up at LA. Did that. I also had my first company that I launched, which was called Spiker Spice, uh, which was a it's a, a spice that my mom made me when I was 13 that was designed to help college age students learn how to cook. And oh, do you lose me right there? Yeah. Oh no, I, I have you. It just flicked on the screen. It flicked a photo of you. Oh, got it. Um, yeah. So the first company was called Spiker Spice. Uh, we, my mom made this spice blend for me when I was young and uh, she, it was basically designed to teach me how to cook like her. And so when I left my job in San Diego, I was like, look, I want to do something. I want it to be manageable and tangible and something that I can understand and like speak authentically about before I knew that that was important. And that was the first thing that we did. And so we launched that spice brand. I was also training people. I wasn't really cooking for people yet at that point. Um, and I was doing a lot of nutrition coaching. And that was like, that was kind of the very beginning portion of me understanding how important the digital aspect is of coaching. Um, especially if you want to scale it and if you want to have a huge impact beyond just helping, you know, five or six people every month, which again is like totally okay. As long as you're able to drive your prices up and you're able to build a, you know, a real business out of it, which can be tough to be honest. Um, it was an interesting combination of all the things that I was kind of passionate about. And I, I seesawed around. It was like, uh, I'm focusing on training right now because that's relevant to who I am right now. I started with nutrition because that's what I cared about when I was younger. And then it started to go towards like supplementation and like specialty performance nutrition, just because that's where my like my passion really lied at that point. 
And um, so that was kind of like my whole trajectory. I ended up like after that, I became a private chef, which is probably how I made the most money in wellness so far. Uh, I had, you know, I started off charging almost nothing, like literally like $200 a week, including food. And mm. I was just like, I, you know, it was, I was up until 2 a.m. every night. I was, you know, waking up at 4.30 or 5 because I was in L.A., so I had to beat traffic. So I had to go do all my drop-offs everywhere as well, but I'd be back before traffic. Then I had to work on what would eventually become Volve, but I was, it was still very much in the de developmental phases. So I was like, then I would work from like 8 until 2 p.m. on my computer, and then I'd go grocery shopping, and then I would do it all over again. And that was like a seven-day-a-week grind making, you know, 200 $300 a week off of just food deliveries. It was, um, it was rough. And I don't recommend, I mean, talk about learning by fire. Like I learned very quickly, like how to value my time and how to set up and forecast a business to make sure that like, you know, even if you are in dire straits, you can, you can probably make more than $200 a week. <laughs> were you training at the same time that you were doing the chef stuff? Uh, no, I usually, so like when I was going back and forth, I wouldn't train people as well as do food. Um, a lot of my clients had asked about that and were willing to pay extra for it. But at the time I was trying to not like, I felt like the training industry because of boutique fitness was so inundated with high quality, very qualified individuals that knew what they were talking about. And yes, like I could, I could totally like walk someone through a training program, but I think that people are way better at it than I am. But I think that like a lot of the way in which I cook and I put together meals is very creative and a lot of people don't think about it that way. So I was thinking about what my value add was and what my what, what was my real value proposition for these individuals and how was I going to be able to get the most out of it by providing value and impact for them, but also being able to charge more for it. And that's kind of why I started leaning more into foods than I was in the training. That's, that's really interesting. And I really like that. You like found your pathway, it seems like going through. Like you like to train people, but you really liked the way you did the food and felt like you added more value to the people than that. So you focus your attention more on that area. Yeah. And I think that that whole strategy is very, it's, I think it's important for anyone that's considering starting off like a new business, whether it's a side hustle or whatever, like think about what it is that you're good at. Like what, what's, what do people know you for? What are the things that like, when you wake up in the morning, like, what are you thinking about? Cause those are the types of things that ultimately don't feel like work. And yes, like when you do switch over from your nine to five over to like a full-time like entrepreneurial gig, it's going to feel like work. I don't care how much you, you love it. Like there are times in which it's going to suck. However, there's a lot of opportunity for you to be able to turn something that was a side hustle into something that's very, very relevant, very, very impactful and very successful. As long as you understand one, are you good at it? And is it something you enjoy? And two, does that value addition, does that value proposition fit the marketplace? What is it that you're really like, what's the problem that you're trying to solve? Who are you trying to solve it for? And what's competition look like? And I looked around in LA and there was not very much competition in the private chef space um, at all. Like there was like, there's some meal prep companies, but like a lot of times, like the individuals that are going to be able to pay the amount that I thought that I was worth are going to want custom meals and they have specific dietary recommendations and they're going to ask me, am I doing this right? Should I be changing this type of ingredient around? And because I had the background in nutrition, it was an easy thing for me to be able to add on and be like nutritionist slash performance chef. And that was uh, that was super lucrative for a really long time. 
but it was not scalable at all. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's a long day. That is a long day. Like, yeah. were you doing it for people who are already fit, or was it people who are looking to get fit? Like, what what were the what was your clientele like? The spectrum varied greatly. Um, there were people that had been fit and that had kind of lost it a little bit. There were people that had always struggled with it. Um, you know, I didn't have any, like, I wasn't like cooking for any sort of like athletes or celebrities or anything like that. It was much more like people that knew that they had more in them, but they're way too busy and they were successful enough to be like, look, like I want to offboard and offload all of my cooking. I don't want to think about food. I know that you think about food all the time. So I'm going to pay you to do it for me. And you're going to make it, you're going to drop it off two to three times a week. And if I like something, keep making that. If I don't like something, like I'll let you know. And uh, ultimately that's actually what kind of killed the business for me was that people liked the same food over and over again. You know, for me, like cooking was about creativity and about like being spontaneous and like getting into the kitchen and like being like, look, I've got, I've got some eggs and I've got some like leftover rice and then I've got some vegetables over here. And like, what can I do to make a sauce that's going to complement all of this? And when you're cooking for other people that specifically ask for certain recipes, it becomes a job and a chore. And that's like, that's what soured the deal for me. And, you know, on top of that, like I had also been working on my passion project for a long time at that point that made it so that I really wanted to, like, I was like cooking to get to the other part. Where I was like, I know that I can make enough money to pay rent and to like, at the time I was about to get married too. So I was like, I had to put money away and I was like, I have to like save up cash. I have to do all these things, but ultimately I'm trying to get over here to be able to work on this because this is what I think has the most impact. And that was, that's tough. And I think that a lot of people struggle with that particular situation of like, you know what you have to do in order to maintain what you have, but are you willing to give up some of what you have right now? in order to get really what you deserve and what you envision. And that's, that's a really difficult conversation that oftentimes is, it's not even just an internal conversation. You gotta have conversations with people that are there to support you, your friends, your significant other, your family. Um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's always something that I think that my parents struggled with where, you know, I started off so hot coming out of college, you know, a year or two early, got a great job, was making a bunch of money, like kind of like was living that like whole, like that dream of like, Oh, buy a new car. Like, look at my son and his fancy shit. And then I was like, you know what? Like, this isn't for me anymore. And then I would just, you know, successfully broke for a very, very long time as I was just building up different companies and trying new things and learning new things. I like to consider, you know, entrepreneurship as some, some sort of version of uh, success fasting where you've got this period of just, you just eat shit. And you constantly eat shit. And it just like, it's one of those things where if you don't have the wherewithal to stick through it, the likelihood that you're going to see the benefit on the other side is just so low. So if you're willing to go and put in that work and that effort to do it up front, it's absolutely worth it. And by like, to be honest, like I just started paying myself and my company after working on it for almost three years, about four months ago. So like, you know, you think that like, this is going to turn into something very quickly. And that was, that's what I thought when I was, you know, 23, 24, moving up to LA, I was like, I held on to my nice sports car. I was like, Oh, I'm going to hold on to this. Like, this is all going to turn into like an um, amazing business. I'm going to work like three hours a day. I'm going to hang out on the beach. This is going to be tight. Yeah. Well, it didn't work like that. And I sold my car and like humbled myself 
lived with my mom, lived with like four of my friends. Like it's, it's been a, uh, it's been a journey for sure. Well, I'm, that sort of stuff gives all sorts of crazy hope to me because that's, that is the thing that I would love to do ultimately in life is, you know, is like work super hard, but then come home and work on a passion, like something that I want as a side hustle. Yeah. What, what gets you going? What's like, what are the things that like really drive you to get like excited? Like what would that passion be for you? Oh, 100% this podcast. Yep. 100%. I love this thing is so much fun and my wife supports and my family supports like doing it and putting a lot of effort into it, which it's, it's a lot of work and effort, but then it's, it's kind of not, I enjoy doing it. Like, I love it. I love talking to people like yourself. And then, so I, going with that thought, like how much I loved it, I was like, what can I do to make a little money for the podcast before sponsors or anything else? What kind of things can I sell? Everybody does t-shirts and hats. I was like, oh, do coffee. Maybe, maybe coffee will work. I love coffee. Like I used to order tons of coffee online and drink it all the time. So kind of like a little coffee dork, like why not? And it wasn't not doable for the price to start it out. And I was like, okay, let's give it a shot. And it breaks even. We make a little bit of money for the podcast to like upgrade and do some things. And so it's nice. like slowly inching up, but, um, 100% this thing is so much fun. I love, if I never make money doing it, I'll do it for in- until I get tired of it, but I don't see that coming anytime soon. Absolutely. Well, and you know, it's interesting too. I think that we had talked a little bit about this before we, uh, before we hopped on just over Instagram. And, you know, we're in the process of, of launching a, a YouTube cha- or a YouTube channel and a YouTube show. We're going to be doing very similar things, talking to a lot of the people that are going to be working with my company, which I can get into in a little bit. Um, but, you know, we, we did it very grassroots. Like I had my buddy that used to be my business partner come in and like build a set in my garage. And we went to Home Depot and like bought a bunch of wood and just like kind of like shoved it into the corner and like supported it up. So it's like, it's kind of like we built a set. It's not like an actual wall. It's literally like finished on one side. But when you go and you look in there, it's like, oh, wow. Like we were able to like do this for, you know, a few hundred bucks. Like it wasn't like a crazy expense to be able to do it. And I'm just so excited to get into that as well, because I think that you brought something up earlier that was super impactful. And that was the idea of being able to, to kind of get vulnerable with people and to, to really get to know them on a personal level. And it's, it's interesting, you know, as, as we go through this discourse, like, does it make sense to have a schedule when you're in like a set of questions you tend to ask people, or do you just like roll with it? And I'm actually really enjoying this roll with it format. I think that it's very natural and I just, I love it. Like, I think it's cool. Well, I always tell people like when I'm asking them to, I'm like, my brain is I'm inquisitive anyway. That's one of the things that when, when I said I want to do it and I can't say anything to my wife, what, she's very much like a doer. You can't say. You, it's like, if you say it, you're going to do it. So I said, I'm thinking about it. Like, well, you should, you know, because you're genuinely interested in people all the time, no matter where we go. It's one of my favorite things about you. You can go to a place where you don't know anybody and you're genuinely interested to hear their story. So I mean, whether it's natural or not, I don't know, but, um, that's, that's one thing. And then learning the vulnerability thing over time, it's so important. It is, it is a blast. And I was, the reason I brought like all that stuff up is because being a personal trainer, in order to be a good trainer, I would imagine you would have to be vulnerable with your clients as well. Absolutely. Well, and then there's the opposite side of it too, is there's this balance between like making sure that your clients are staying on track with the intentions that they, you know, signed up with you with. And then also being empathetic to their situation. So it's like, 
a personal trainer is actually much more of like a human psychologist than anything else. You just happen to know physiology and you happen to know how to like program some workouts, but ultimately you're, you're really just a psychologist. And I think that that's like, that's, what's so interesting about wellness because it's not just about like, Oh, here's a recipe. Like now that I've given you this recipe, you're set for life. Like you're always going to be healthy. It's so much more about the human experience and human psychology and habit formation and like, what, when are the right times? What are the, what's the right actual content that someone might need to nudge them in the right direction? And that's, that's like a great segue into what it is that I do with my company, Volve. So Volve is a, is a virtual coaching platform for coaches, trainers, and well-being content creators. So anyone that basically has a podcast, a YouTube show, any YouTube videos, Instagram feed, Facebook feed, blog, all of that can instantly be turned into a virtual coach using our artificial intelligence software. And so we take all their content, we bring it into our system. And ultimately what we do is we allow them to offer a virtual version of themselves to their community at, you know, a cut rate of what they would normally charge for their in-person services. Cause if you think about it as a trainer or as a nutrition coach or any other type of like lifestyle benefiting coach, you're ultimately, going out and reaching out to them in the moments in which you think that they need you. But if you're an intelligent coach, you know, when those moments are and the content you create is ultimately what you're, you're really trying to get across to them. And so we kind of hack that system to be able to identify the right moments to send the right messages to the right people based upon what they do all day long. So I know that that's kind of like, you know, a lot to, to consume all at once, but ultimately we're trying to change the way that people are, interacting with content as so that's consuming as well as creating it's this idea of being able to take all the content that they have everywhere and, and being kind of platform agnostic like we and it's it's something that i've been talking a lot about recently but it's this idea of like follow the content that you love follow the creators that you love wherever they are those are the types of people that are really going to inspire you to do the things that like you're really intending to do and you know if someone's like has like an app on one it's like over on one place, but then like someone else is over on YouTube and then someone else has like only does IG live streams. Like that's okay. Like you don't have to choose one or the other. Just find someone that you really, really identify with someone that's achieved the things that you already have achieved or talks about a lot of the things you're already interested in and just dig into them. Because I think that there's this like this very unique creator fan ecosystem that's starting to happen right now, especially in the middle of COVID where you have creators that used to be stuck at home or that used to be out in the wild and they would like have all their one-on-one -on -one in-person practitioner, like, you know, experiences with the people that they were coaching, but now all of a sudden they're stuck at home. So they're almost forced to digitalize their business. And that digitalization has created such a unique and creative set of content that's out there in the world right now that you're, you're now the access that you have to a particular person has 10 X. And as a creator, you all of a sudden have this massive set of content that you're putting out on different platforms and maybe people see it, maybe they don't. But if you create it into like this cohesive version of you that's virtualized, you have an opportunity to be able to truly, you have an opportunity to truly be able to take that form of content and put it out into the world in a much more impactful and meaningful way. So if I, this is super interesting to me because I watch and anybody who wants to know, go to his Instagram. You can click on the, the little stories down there and he has a thing about Volve um, where he shows you some examples, but run through real quick with, because 
I'm very interested. So like, can gyms use it? Personal trainers, like, and how would, if I was coming to you to get the business, how would you set me up on there with like my content that I make? So let's, let's walk through each one of those particular examples. So a gym, a gym has a bunch of trainers with a, with a bunch of, of know-how in terms of programming, in terms of mobility, and maybe they've got content, maybe they don't. So like video content around workouts, mobility routines, that type of stuff. Some of the, the newer gyms are starting to hop onto this idea of like, yes, I need a YouTube channel to be able to like leverage. And especially now in COVID, all of them are, are recording all of their live streams and putting them up and then creating this class catalog. However, you know what gyms are not good at? Nutrition. <laughs> Most of the time, gym owners, they know generally what they're supposed to be doing, but they don't have recipes. They don't have time to create those recipes. They don't really have a cohesive program around like, are they intuitive eating? Or are they macro counting? Or what's their like, what's their ethos on food? So that's something that's like, you know, if you're trying to provide support for the people that either go to your gym or are now like subscribe to your virtual gym, if you're really looking to be able to, to give them benefit the 23 hours of the day that they're not in the gym, you need to be able to find whole lifestyle content in order to support them. So that's ultimately what we would be doing for them is that we're infusing all of their trainers with high level nutrition information that's coming from other creators on our platform. So say you're a trainer and I'm the, the chef and nutritionist. You're like, wow, like I've been putting together these programs. I'm going to sell this like training program for you know 15 bucks a month but I think that I could get 30 from it if I added nutrition to it. You would come to me and, and we would broker a licensing deal where you would say, hey, I wanna use your, your recipes in my program. Are you cool with that? I'll cut you in on it. So then you've got people, creators, co-promoting their own content back and forth and the end user getting a full lifestyle coach instead of it just being here, this guy's my trainer over here and like over on this other platform, like I get like some nutrition but they don't actually like the, the content itself doesn't talk to each other. So you really want this ability for all of the, the system in which you're working in to actually be able to speak to each other so that it's intelligent recommendation. And it's not so disjointed. And that's, that's one of the major problems that happens right now is that like, you know, you get a workout program and maybe that one's like very well put together, but then you start to dive into what like a nutrition program might look like. And they just hand you like a one page PDF and they're like, okay, here, figure it out. And so there are people that are out there that have much more established and well-versed nutrition programs that you could easily lean on and collaborate with. And then you send out a much more solid and complete program for your end users. And so ultimately what we're doing for, for each, you know, for that gym, as well as that nutritionist is we're taking their content and bringing them to be top of mind for the end user because they're getting three to five nudges a day in the moments that actually matter around meal times or around exercise times or pre-workout or post-workout, all those things that we're constantly calculating. We're saying, Hey, these people have things to say in these moments and you're in that moment right now. Where did you come up with the idea to put this together? That was actually the way that I approach forming habits. Um, when I was in high school, I would read all of these bodybuilding blogs and I was constantly bookmarking all these workouts and I was highlighting the actionable things that were in each one. So I was already kind of doing that when I was younger. And as I worked my way through wellness, being a trainer, being a virtual nutrition coach, being a chef, like writing content for a bunch of like big companies as well. So like I had kind of put my foot in all of these different places. And I said, there's a massive hole 
in the way in which people are consuming all this content. And by the way, I just spent the last five years learning how to do database architecture and analytical AI. So how do I merge all of that together to create a solution? Because ultimately no one has like in tech has really solved the issue around like wellness. And I think that like people are coming up with like very like, you know, flashy individualized like recommendations, but ultimately that helps like one person, but it doesn't scale. If you can create a real business around making content highly relevant, there's a millions and millions and millions of pieces of content that are out there that if you could take all the effort that someone has already put in and turn that into a passive revenue stream for them that also impacts their community in a much more, uh, you know, high touch and successful way, you're, you're kind of making it work for a lot of different players in the, uh, in the ecosystem. And that's ultimately how you, you build like a very solid business. Um, it's, no, so it's I'm, kind yeah. of the way everything else has gone for you, like from the spices while you train to the chef to the personal, you know, and then now this, it's like, you've, you've found all these little pieces and you want to just put them all together. Yeah. And I, you know, what's funny too, is my, uh, my old boss, uh, who, who let me go and, uh, from, from my job in San Diego, he ultimately told me that I had hit a ceiling at that, that company. And, um, I needed to go do something else because I wasn't learning anything. He, he, he was, uh, he's my, my, uh, he's my like co-investor in this company. And, uh, but he, he looked at me and during the period where I was like really trying to figure out exactly like what I was trying to do, like he, he just, he's pushed me in such an interesting way where he's like, look, like connect the dots between things that like make sense or don't make sense use your experience to be able to figure out like, is there really an issue here for multiple people or are you just like annoyed yourself and having an analytical mind and looking at, at what other things and other people are going through, it gives you an opportunity to be able to like, to really put perspective around your own experience and see if that scales. And I think that like you have to fail in multiple places. And I use the term fail very loosely because I think that every failure has some sort of benefit, some sort of lesson learned that drives you a little bit farther forward. And so if you look at like my trajectory over the last like seven years, my business partner just tells me, it's like, you've got like a seven year MBA that more or less cost you nothing except for all of the wages that you foregoed while you were kind of going and doing this. Like I could have gone and, and gotten an MBA in, in two years, but you don't learn the, the real life experience. Like you can have all the case studies in the world, but if you don't fall flat on your face a few times, you're not going to learn those lessons. So it's kind of like a, an MBA, like a hard knocks MBA um, that I've kind of looked at it as where it's just like, you create a few things, you learn a few lessons, you look for things that are cohesive. You look for things that have connections and you find ways to make that work. And if you don't, hopefully you try again. And if you know, it, after a certain amount of time, you just kind of get used to that. Like, well, shit, that didn't work. Shit, that didn't work. Shit, that didn't work. Oh, that, wait, wait, no, that kind of worked. Okay, we're going to do this for a little bit more. Uh, no, that doesn't work anymore. But it's this like constant pivot until you find that right niche. And um, we're in a position right now with Bob where we've, we've found that niche. And, um, you know, I've got some really good partners that we're working with in the future that are going to help us be able to, to grow this business and help more people out. Well, and I absolutely love that because there's, and you said a couple of things that are like, man, it's so very true. Is like the only way to really test things is to throw it out there too. 
the only way to really test like what you've got going on is to put it out like your YouTube thing that you're, you're about to start. I don't know if that involves Valve or if that's a separate thing. Yeah, it is Valve. Yeah. It'll be, it it'll be sponsored by Valve. Okay. Awesome. And then you're, you're like throwing stuff out. You, you can practice all you want to in front of a camera, all you want to, but you never know what it's going to be like until you throw it out there. So true. Yeah. There's, there's no, you have, it's, it's, it's very interesting when push comes to shove, like you're there, either you want to do it or you don't. And like, you can make excuses all day long as to like why the timing's not perfect or like, you know, the right people aren't saying yes. Or like, there's so many different things that you can use as justification and not actually start. And if I've learned anything over the last few years, it's just like, pull the bandaid off. It's going to be like shitty the first few times. Like it just is. And like, no one expects you to be perfect. Cause honestly, the first few times, not very many people are watching. So like, okay, whatever, just like get over yourself and just put it out there and see what happens. And uh, I think that, you know, any sort of like continuity or consistency around working on one thing for a really long time ultimately allows you to, to, you know, spend more time on becoming a specialist in it. And that's, that's what's important. And if you give like, if you give power over to that, that side, like that embarrassment side, like you lose all confidence. But when you throw that stuff, when you go, I'm going to throw it out there. And if somebody doesn't like it, Oh, well, what happened? I mean, they just didn't like it. Like, okay. I at least tried. Like they didn't try. I tried. You know, and, and, so you can, and, and you learned very quickly that that might not necessarily be your target person that you're going after in the first place. So if someone vo- vocalizes that they didn't like whatever it is that you put out, don't take that as like, it's not a personal attack that, that person either may be going through something that like is making them lash out or they've got a different opinion than you. And that's a good thing. So use that as an opportunity to like strike a conversation up more times than not. If someone's coming at you, and like they're doing it out of the digital ether where they're hiding behind their, their social media profile. Like you're either going to learn something or they're just going to be like, they're going to be so caught up in their own issues that like, you'll know very quickly that it had nothing to do with you. 100% man, 100%. And everybody, it's easy from behind anywhere to like talk, say whatever you want and have opinions. I mean, you see that now everybody's a doctor on social media everybody's a scientist on social media. It's like, guys, none of us are any of that. We all have our opinions. Like I could share them too, if I wanted to, but like, I don't know. And I don't feel comfortable sharing that. Like I'm not going to go out and put it in a way where it's judge, judging other people, but it's easy to come off that way. Cause you're not sitting in front of that person when they're typing that. So you don't know, they could be just saying it in the nicest of ways and it comes off like, rude and so you have a conversation with reaching out them that's a great idea because then you get to see exactly where they're coming from yeah and you just you learn more about why they said the things that they did and it's it, you, just like you said just like you touched on it you could just be interpreting what they said incorrectly and when you go and reach out to them i mean look at it as like market research you're you have a willing and able potential customer telling you exactly why they don't like your product it's like okay well you know how hard it is to get someone to respond to an email after they bought something and they even liked your product? Like you've got someone out there that's like giving you the answers. It's like, okay, like I'm going to write this down. These are like the, this is the cheat code. This is the answer for me to get through this test. And so it all just takes a little bit of a shift in perspective. And if you're willing to, to spend some time, you know, working on yourself to not react to the negativity that's out there, but looking at it as an opportunity to learn something about yourself and learning about other people, 
there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good that can come from just being a little bit calmer than everyone else. And like weather in the storm, not taking anything personally. I mean, there's, there's a lot of power in that. Oh, totally. So what is your YouTube thing? Like, what is it? How's this tie into Volve and what is this show going to be about? Yeah. So the, the show is going to be called Potentialist. Uh, we're going to be interviewing all of the coaches, trainers, and content creators that are trying to make the world one healthier one moment at a time. And so we're looking at what it is that like their story, where they came from, what they've been doing in wellness, what like some of their like, you know, funny interactions with clients have been a lot of like business tips around like what's worked, what hasn't worked, talking a little bit about their content strategy. So it's very much like a show for coaches by coaches, but we're also going to be touching a lot on like hot topics in wellness. So for the individuals that want to work with one of these coaches, you'll get, you're going to get a very quick understanding of like, what are the things that they're passionate about? What are the things that they're very knowledgeable about? So it's going to be a, por a portion of it is going to be marketing for them. A portion of it is going to be their story and just getting their like their whole ethos about what it is that they like to work on out there. And then another portion of it for us is that we look at it as an opportunity to coax out a lot of those actionable habits so that when they walk away from that particular interview, they have a piece of content that they can sell on our platform immediately. That it's such a great idea. Like Thank you. a platform. I mean, really and truly because my wife is a coach and, and she's like, she kind of runs her own thing. And then she works with a gym and we're great friends with the gym owners, uh, a CrossFit gym. And, and it's like, they having a coach has something where they can learn from other coaching experiences and to know that they're not the only ones going through maybe this sort of issue or this funny situation or, you know, to build their repertoire from people that like, maybe know a little bit more about weightlifting, maybe know a little bit more about like, even kettlebells, you name it, like whatever it is, like the different stories, nutrition. That's such a fantastic idea to create almost like a community inside of a community. Absolutely. Yeah, we look at it as like this, you know, it's, it's a community for, for people that are all trying to like, you know, their, their overall mission is to make the world a healthier place. And then it also becomes this very unique marketplace for content where it's like it's high quality content that speaks to the things that you really want to be teaching. Maybe you're learning it yourself. Maybe you're using it to teach some of your other clients as well. I mean, I look at it like this. Like I, I have coached a few people. I haven't been doing it nearly as much as I have, as I used to, just because I've been focusing on building this company, but I still take on like some of my friends that reach out to me and they're like, Hey man, I really need help for like a month or two. Like what, what would you charge? And I just give them like the bottom rate. I'm like, dude, just like whatever you can pay me, like, that's fine. I'm happy to help. And then I put them on my Volve program and it automates 90% of the messages that are going out. I have a cadence of things that I tend to teach people over the first two months. And then I leverage all the things that I've already put up and that I put up on Instagram and Facebook and I have videos kind of all over the place and it's new content for them because they've never seen it. But it also makes it so that I can serve more people at a lower rate without any more you know, real extra effort. And then on top of that, I'm constantly working with new coaches because I think that there's a lot of things that I'm not good at. Like I'm working with a, with a gym up in LA right now uh, called Deuce and they've got this dumbbell program. And it's like, kind of like you would think as someone that has a content related wellness platform that I wouldn't want to work with a gym that's already working with another app. But like, it goes back to this idea of being platform agnostic. Like I don't, Volve actually right now is like, doesn't have an app. 
we're a mobile optimized website, but we look at ourselves as a content distribution platform. So like the content that we have, that app might actually receive our content. So recipe content can be sent over directly to them, or we could find some, some stuff on YouTube and it's like, Hey, this is hyper relevant to the workout that you just put out there. Here, let us send this stuff to you as well. So it's kind of, it's changing the way that people are interpreting where their content is coming from and how they're consuming it. Because at the end of the day, you actually really don't need an app to be able to do all the things that we're trying to do. And I think that there's plenty of really good apps that are out there. And I'm not in the, in the space of trying to, you know, be the best fitness app that's out there. That's like, that's not my game. I'm trying to change content. I'm not trying to change the, the, the interfaces that people are engaging with. If I can distribute the small little micro nudges and know-how from all of these amazing coaches to nine different apps all at once, that's more impactful than building my own app and being like, Hey guys, check out my stuff. You have to do it over here. And that's what, as, as a person like that would be looking for something like that, that's exactly like I'm, I'm busy. I work a lot. I don't want to have to go searching maybe for all my stuff. It could, if it could just all be brought the things that I like, if I can, okay, this is what I like. And if it can all be brought to me from the best places that I would go search for it anyway, that's, that's a fantastic idea. Yep. Um, and also at the same time, the it's really cool that you're working with another gym, another gym, like they have an app and you might think it's just competition, but that abundance mindset just seems to like go way further than the scarcity mindset of no, 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 you can't have what's mine. It's mine. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is like, I think that, you know, apps are just kind of a, it's the current version of and modality that someone consumes content right now. But like very quickly, all of this is going to be voice and all of this is going to be video. And all of a sudden you're going to walk into your house and it's like, Hey Alexa, like, or Hey Google, like, uh, my day today. And then on your, on your wall, a screen's going to pop up and it's going to show you all the stuff that you're supposed to do. So this idea of it being on your mobile phone is like, yes, it's relevant right now, but it'll be antiquated in 10 years. And I plan on having this business be around for longer than 10 years. And so if you're able to build technology that scales with the rapid increase and advancement of current technology and the way that people consume stuff, and that's, that's like kind of a, that's, that's where my head's been at this entire time is that, you know, people constantly are pushing like, yo, can you like, can you release an app? And like, people still ask me like, Oh, is it an app? And I, Sometimes I'll convince them that it's not. And if we have time to go through this type of, you know, explanation and other times I'm like, just go to the website, go to the website. It'll explain it all. Like, don't worry about it. www.volve.ai head over there, check it out. If you see a channel or some content you like subscribe to it, it's going to cost whatever it's going to cost. If you have any questions, let me know. That's awesome. And that's, that's what I was going to ask. Do you just send people to the website or how do you like, where yeah. do they normally go? Like, you just go to the website, check it out. It's self-explanatory once you get there. Yeah, and the thing is, is, you know, a lot of our marketing distribution right now is through the, the channels themselves. So we're, we're allowing all of our channels to self-market their own virtual coaches. Um, we're going to be, we're in the process right now of building a few new things that are going to make the site a little bit more user-friendly and are going to funnel people into that, this idea of like, all right, I'm creating a profile. These are the things that I like. And then our recommendation engine is going to get substantially better. Right now we're in the process of building out more content and more channels so that the recommendation engine actually can be specific. There's not enough stuff on there right now to be like, okay, like he's paleo, keto, keto, CrossFit, 
um, and does intermittent fasting and uh, really likes cold exposure. Like, yes, I just kind of explained myself, but like that type of, of specificity around content requires there to be thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of content that are up there. So we're in the, this growth mode right now of getting as many creators as we can onto the site and be like, Hey, like come create a channel. I'm going to do all the work for you. Just give me your content, submit me some, some videos and some photos and some URLs. I'll build it for you. You just go sell it. Um, and then over the next year or so, we'll, we're going to get into the place of being able to do some kind of more unique distribution deals, you know, working in corporate wellness, working in schools, like finding places where this content is hyper relevant yet. It's not really searched for. Man, that corporate wellness, I'm just in my head. Like when you said that, it just sounds like such a great idea. Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there and you know, as like, as a business owner too, I know expensive insurances. If you can prove that your employees are healthy, your premiums go down and that's like, you know, it's probably a hundred bucks a month per employee. So if you're a big company, that's a big number very quickly. Yeah. And that like having, having that also where you can go to one source and like your source well, and just get your company program. There's less overhead. There's less like liability. It just sounds like a, a fan, like where everything is going in the first place. Like you said, it's going to voice. That's where corporate wellness seems like it would go anyway. Yeah. You know, corporate wellness, especially now that, you know, the, the ecosystem around whether or not someone is, is working primarily at home or needing to go into the office, like most people, I'd say it's probably going to be a 20 to 30% reduction in the amount of actual time on average that someone has to spend in the office. So if you're, if you have less time engaging with your employees in a face-to-face -face relationship, you, you're going to want to make sure that they're one engaged in their work and two in, you know, practicing healthy practices while they're at home. And if you don't see them, like, how are you ever going to know? Like, so that's, that's where I think that this is going to be a huge thing where there's going to be, a, you know, you look on the internet right now, there's no shortage of like home body weight workouts or like simple quarantine recipes. Well, you know what those are perfect for people that are just starting off on fitness journeys, regardless of, of when the quarantine's lifted, simple body weight stuff, walking a few times, like walking challenges, going on hikes, bike rides, and then just like eating very simply, getting comfortable in the kitchen. Like those are kind of the two cornerstones of all of this. And then the kind of the third point of it would be like recovery and sleep. And those, those things kind of fall in line when you have your movement in line. And when you've got your nutrition all synced up, then you start to get your circadian rhythm working properly. And then you start messing around with like, you know, making sure you're not exposed to blue light at night and you know, all sorts of like cold exposure and things that can kind of get your body in the state of being able to get a proper night's sleep. But it all kind of starts with the foundational stuff of what you're putting into your body and how you're moving it. And it's kind of funny how you start like that with something. You start off like, I'm going to get into it. And you start at this like beginner level. And then your interest, if you like it, your interest goes into, well, I wonder what I have. Like I started working out. Now what if I stop drinking sodas? Now what if I start eating whole foods and less processed foods. Well, now what if I went to like really counting my macros or going to this diet program? Oh, what's the sleep thing I hear about? Like mm. it just snowballs over this period of time. And then before you know it, you're doing all of these habits that you're like, Oh, look at that. I'm, this is where I am now. 
So the process that you just described is ultimately like what we try to do with any of our programs is, you know, when you look at, at habit formation, it looks like this insurmountable mountain of like, oh, I could never, you know, reach the summit. Like, that's crazy. Like, you know, I'm 60 pounds overweight. Like I haven't like run a day in my life. Like I eat pizza every day. Like I'm just not into it. Like I'm not going to do that. And like, I know that I need to, but like, that just looks way too unattainable. When you start breaking down habits into bite-sized chunks where it's like, hey, put on your workout shorts today. You don't have to go, you don't have to go anywhere, but literally just build the foundational habit of like, all right, I'm going to put on my workout set. And then maybe the, the following week, it's like, hey, go take a walk around the block. And like doing that a few times a week, all of a sudden you're like, okay, like this is kind of like, this is attainable. I could do this. And just like you just described is this, this concept of like curiosity where you have small little successes and it's like, well, I could do this. Like, what else am I, what's, what else am I capable of doing? What's, what's my potential? Does it have a ceiling? Can I keep going? And then that's where more curiosity comes in. You start like looking around for other people that are specialists in different things where it's like, start off with the basics. And all of a sudden you're like very, very, very into the way that your body functions in this world. And it comes down to inputs and outputs. And if you can boil it down to those two particular things, you can just start building on top of them and you get these like small little wins and small little wins. And all of a sudden you're at the summit of this mountain and you see that there's another one way off in the distance because there's no, there's no end destination in human performance and wellness and being healthy. You're just on this constant journey. Like I've, I've definitely over the last few years have started to feel my age, which sounds funny, you know, being like a 30, 31 year old, but like, you know, my knees creak, my back hurts, like my, my mobility's shitty. Like when I snowboard, like I can feel it the next day. And like that never used to happen. And so my, my training shifted a lot from like very bodybuilding specific and like crossfitty to like kettlebells and mobility and like stretching and injury prevention and bulletproofing my like ligaments and joints. And like, you would ask me at 24, like what my goal was, it's like have a six pack. And now it's like, don't get hurt. <laughs> and it's just, it's funny to see how that all changes. And then you look at, you know, nutrition and nutrition shifts, you know, different types of foods work for different people and allergies shift every seven years. And so it's this constant moving target that if you're not dedicated to the pursuit, it's not going to work out because you're going to find something that works. You're going to get complacent and all of a sudden you're going to start sliding out. And then once you start sliding out, then that same type of nudge coaching is what's going to bring you back into that center position for you to be able to get back on track. Man, I dig all this stuff. I like, I love it all. I'm so glad you came on the podcast, man. Um, Me too. Again, let everybody else know where they can find all your content, where they can find out about Bob, your, when your YouTube stuff is coming out and where it's going to be and all that good stuff. Sure. Uh, so you can check out Bob at www.volv.ai. Um, on there, there's a few different channels that we're going to be launching. Um, if you have any direct questions, uh, you can DM me on Instagram. It's at Brent, B-R-E-N-T, Totty, T-O-T-T-Y. Um, super responsive on there. So, you know, if you're a coach or a trainer or a content creator that's interested in hopping on the platform, I'm all ears. And, uh, you know, if you're just someone that has questions around health, wellness, entrepreneurship, uh, I'm also always available there. And we're going to be launching the Potentialist show. Uh, it should be about two weeks from now. Uh, we're, we're starting to build up all of our episodes. We want to get at least a month in the, uh, in the tank before we go and launch. Um, but that'll be happening on the ball, uh, YouTube channel. All of that's linked on my profile. So you'll be able to find it there. Sweet, man. Well, Brent, thanks for being on, dude. I really appreciate it again. Absolutely. It was a pleasure.
Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Don't forget to support your local businesses and brands that you believe in. Thank you again to Brent for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And until the next episode, see ya.